Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views. Just a fun place to golf. It's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course and it's fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. They got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole, whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado. I think you can just see the mountains, you see the golf course. You know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicap. That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls or check them out online at raccooncreek.com. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Saving by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes, and you can use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. It's a Monday episode here. I'm Nathan Rudolph with you. No AJ this week as he's enjoying his vacation, so we figured it was a good time to get some new voices on the podcast and take a little bit of a different angle on what the abs offseason has been. For today's show, we have a BSN intern with us, Luke Marshall. Luke, how are you doing, and are you excited to talk some abs? Yeah, I'm doing good. I uh, just finished up my 9-to-5 day job last week, so I'm able to be in full-time at BSN right now. And Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to talk anything abs. Yeah, it's good to have you. It's good to have someone ready to talk abs in the middle of August as well. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm happy to do it. I uh, I go to school out in Indiana, so don't have a lot of people to talk abs with. So anytime I can do it, I I talk people's ears off. I'm sure my roommates hate me. Awesome. I'm glad to have you on that. I'm sure we can get a little bit into the weeds on this podcast, but... The big factor we want to talk about today are the abs trades. And obviously the number one to look at, Tyson Berry for Nazem Kadri, throw Alex Kerfoot in there and a couple of other pieces as well. But but the focus for the abs is going to be Kadri himself. I know you've kind of looked into him pretty in depth. What are your initial, I guess it's been a month, so it's not really initial impressions, but how do you feel about this trade? Yeah, so I, I, I love this trade for the abs. Um, I so yeah, I wrote an article on uh, the acquisition of Nazem Kadri earlier in the summer, and uh, I also wrote a piece, my first one, on Tyson Berry and why the Avs should trade him. And in that piece, I outlined that I think that they should go for a fifty to sixty point uh, 
two center, two C, someone they could put in there. And uh, ideally, it would have been someone a little bit younger, but uh, Kadri is exactly what the ads needed in that aspect. And his amazing contract, I think, makes up for his age. And I, I think in the future, he's going to be uh, someone they can rely on and he'll be a placeholder for Alex Newhook. Uh, you know, hopefully that that'll only take him a couple of years to come in. Um, there, There's definitely some worry with Kadri in terms of he didn't have the best season last year. And a lot of people want to blame that solely on the arrival of John Tavares and, and seeing a lot of his, uh, his time and numbers go down. But uh, the reality is he had almost the exact same number of minutes. It was 16 minutes, both in the same years or both last year. And then this year. Um, so he, he didn't see that major decrease and his points per minute actually ended up going down from 0 0.041 to 0 0.037. Um, but the nice thing for the abs is that he adds uh, someone who can also kind of take over that second power play. Um, he was third on the Leafs in terms of power play minutes. And the really nice thing was he, you know, he's able to go in in kind of a different role on that PP one. Um, and so for, for the abs, if they have one of the top three guys go down, he's definitely someone who could step in and play alongside McKinnon, which I think would just be too fun of a, of a power play. But uh, in the end, it's, you know, we got him over Soderberg. He, we're paying him $250,000 less per year and, uh, and he's four years younger. So I, I'm really happy with the acquisition. I think he's going to be great for the abs at second line and hopefully he'll jumpstart some of that production from some of the young guys. So I'm, I'm all in for it. Yeah. I think it's pretty easy to slot him in on the second line. It, he, you drop him into that 2C spot behind McKinnon, and, and you don't have to worry about anything with that. He has the numbers to back up driving a second line. Sounds like you want him on the second power play unit. You'd rather have him trying to drive that than just full-on do the beast mode first power play? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, I, I don't think you can make a lot of arguments for splitting up the top three, uh, you know, Lannis Cog, McKinnon, and Rantanen on that first power play, and you definitely want to see what Kilk Kale McCarr can do in that role. But the nice thing is, you know, Kadri was one of the most reliable pieces for the Leafs in terms of power play uh, in the past couple years. So, and he, and he jumped in on a, on a line with, I believe it was Tavares. So um, he's able to, to play in that position regardless. So I think it's, it's something that Jared Bednar can kind of mess around with and he can switch it out and see what's best for, for chemistry. But I, I would definitely think that he's going to end up being that second line center or that power play two center. Yeah. So maybe expecting to give a little bit more opportunity that second power play this year, last year, it, it was often they would get the last 30 seconds and, and not be able to do a whole lot with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think that there's definitely a lot more upside in that group because, um, you know, in the first power play, I'm thinking that you're probably going to have your top three with McCarr and I'm assuming maybe Comfer. So then that second power play, you can have it quarterbacked by Gerard. Um, and then throw Kadri and hopefully Jost in there, and and that'll be a really interesting group. And maybe Colin Wilson. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what the ending sure. pieces will, will be yeah. there, but um, I think that that's definitely a group that I would trust with a lot more time than I would have, you know, a Carl Soderberg-driven line um, in terms of power play. Right, and I think that's the key to the Kadri acquisition is you drop him into any of these things and you tell him he's driving this and you expect him to do it. You're not worried about him faltering in that way. 
Yeah. And, and, and from that perspective, I think that he's going to be really exciting because he's a guy who, who drives play and he's, he's somebody who takes the puck up the ice and, and finds options. And so I think the idea from Sackick in his front office was, okay, well, we have Jose and obviously they traded away Kerfoot. So we're expecting Burakovsky to come in in that, in that second line role. And we need someone who can drive the offense and uh, help those guys create and, you know, Carl Soderberg is a fantastic player and, and he, he plays a really solid 200 foot game, but um, Kadri's just got a lot more of that offensive upside. And I think that the possibilities are a lot better and the ceiling is a lot higher with him on your second line. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a good idea of what we can expect out of Kadri. I do wonder about the defensive side of things. Right. Soderberg was a player that Bednar wasn't afraid to use on the PK when he needed to. He relied on him for a lot of defensive zone starts. Is that something we can expect out of Kadri, or is it going to be a bit of a change in that second line is going to be more offensive minded? So, I mean, we've seen Kadri in the past couple of years kind of transition to, to jumping into that more 200-foot game. And I think that that's something that he is capable of, but I don't know if I would trust him on the PK. And I actually think that's going to be one of the toughest areas for the Avs in the upcoming year. I mean, they were 25th in PK last year, and I don't see it getting a lot better losing Patrick Nemeth, losing Carl Soderberg. Uh, those are guys that, you know, you could rely on consistently. And yeah, so I definitely think Kadri's going to provide more of an offensive aspect than a defensive one. Um, but I, you know, it, it, the Avs might have to force their hand and um, he, he might end up being the PK guy in, in the end. We'll see. Kadri's a bit of an interesting one defensively for me. I, I do like his effort level, certainly right. his ability to be a pest on that end. The actual defense, well, we'll see. Right. Yeah. It, uh, I think he's he's someone who wants to be involved in the offensive play and he, he wants to score goals and and. Even though he, yeah, he does put the effort in on the defensive end, it just doesn't seem like that's that's where he excels the best. Shines, yeah, for sure. exactly. Yeah. Speaking of the the pestiness, the red mist, it it is a concern. It's something that has to be said. It's been two straight seasons where he's been suspended in the playoffs. That's not nothing. On the one hand, it brings something to the Abs that's new. They do not have hardly any of that, especially at forward. On the other hand. You can get yourself into trouble. We saw Ian Cole struggle with it last year, getting suspended once and, and into a lot of penalty minutes that way. Is there a way for the Avs to contain that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and funny enough, when asked about it in his uh, press conference, Sakic just said, let's not play Boston, which I thought was hilarious. But the uh, yeah, so it's it's certainly something that the Avs are lacking, I think. That's been something for me that I've wanted to see more out of the team. Outside of Nikita Zadorov, you don't really have someone who's willing to uh, jump in and get in people's faces and you know kind of play that mental game. I, I, in the forward group, I think at most you have Gabe Landeskog, and you really don't want your top producing first line winger uh, to have to jump into that role and you know step up when when somebody takes a shot at McKinnon or whatever. Um, so I'm I'm happy with it. I think Kadri is going to be a really nice addition. And in terms of the the playoff suspensions with the Leafs, I, I'm not super worried about that. Um, you know, definitely I think that's something the coaches are going to address with him. At least I hope so. Um, and I think it's something that he should be wary of, especially in the playoff games where it means a lot. But the I don't think that's going to happen to him again. 
Um, and I think that as long as he's able to contain that, it's going to end up being a really positive thing for the Avs to have someone who's kind of that aggressor and that, uh, you know, get under your skin kind of player because that's what they need in their forward group. Yeah, I, I do worry that that's just kind of the player that he is. And, and sometimes his emotions get the better yeah. of him. I'm not sure how coachable that is really going to be as a thing. I think it's just something you have to live with within his sure. game. And he's going to help you way more than he hurts you with that. I, I'm not going to throw stones at him for it. It does hurt when he does it in the playoffs, but you're getting way more out of him. Yeah, I mean... I don't want to see the the suspensions and the power play minutes start to affect the abs in a negative way for sure. But I agree with you. I think, I think in the end, being able to get under a team's skin, especially with the way this forward core is built and the way that they're just going to run teams into the ground with depth. Um, I think that they're going to start getting really frustrated and Kadri will be a good player to, to play on that frustration and, and allow them to, uh, to get in their own heads and, and make wins for the abs. I think. Absolutely. I can tell you when I start to see the red mist, a good way to calm me down is a nice cold Breckenridge Brewery beer. So it's time to take a second to acknowledge them, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer, and make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and come out and have a good time. I know Luke was at our last event drinking some Strawberry Sky with me as well. Well, and that was it's a fun time playing a little flip cup. But today we're talking about Nazem Kadri. You mentioned, alluded to Alex Newhook perhaps being able to step in with those three years left on Kadri's contract. Obviously, for the value, you already mentioned cheaper than Soderberg. You're you love the dollar value straight up there. The three years, is there a little bit of pressure to win now with that contract? Yeah, uh, I I think if you're if you're waiting around for Alex Newhook to be your two C uh, to go for a cup run, I I think you're doing things wrong. Um, so putting Kadri on that three year contract, I think, is something that's beneficial for the Avs because he'll he'll be there for a bit of time um, and he'll provide them with that opportunity as a second line center. Whereas you know last year when you're rolling with Carl Soderberg. Um, I don't think that he's the guy that's going to push you over the edge. And, you know, we saw that in the playoffs with him uh, not really being able to step up for those big time games. I think that Kadri is definitely someone that the Avs said, OK, if we put him in the second line role, um, we're going to have a lot better chance of winning those critical games and uh, moving on further than we did prior. It does make sense. He does feel like a more impactful player than Soderberg does. Where I'm not sure how set for a cup run they are is kind of the other questions they have in their lineup. And they're expecting Kadri to drive that second line, but I do wonder a bit just how far he can take. Yeah, it. and I mean, I'm sure we're going to touch on that a little bit later, but I the second line is where I'm, I'm the most nervous. And it's definitely where the abs are relying on uh, a lot of upside and 
kind of some hopes and prayers to take them to the next level. Um, I think your X factors in the entire Avalanche offense and and a lot of their the backing of their season is Burakovsky and Jost. So, um, you know, Jost really needs to step up into that second line role and prove that he can do it. Um, you know, if not, he'll he'll probably end up being replaced by someone like Jonas Donskoy or JT Comfer. Um, and you know, that's not what you want out of a guy that you took early in the first round. Obviously, once you come into the NHL, that doesn't matter, but um, he hasn't really shown that second line potential that we saw from him out of North Dakota. You see the skill and the ability to make plays happen. Uh, that's something that the Avs really enjoyed when they picked him up, and that's that's why they drafted him. But, uh, you know, last season, most of his goals came from good awareness and driving to the net, but we didn't get to see that high-end skill um, that you want out of your second line right winger. So, you know, I, th- I think Kadri definitely has the ability to drive the offense there, but um, will it be enough to jumpstart Jost? That's really the question. Sure. You've definitely seen the offensive consistency out of Kadri individually. Right. The question of, of options around him. We'll see. Obviously, the abs are hoping for the best. Final thoughts on the Kadri deal. What are your expectations out of him in the coming season? Yeah, so I mean, I expect him to come back into that 55, hopefully 60 point range, but you know, definitely to jump jump back from his 44 point season that he put together last year. Um, I think that if he's able to put up those numbers and boost Burakovsky and Jost, that's that's all you can ask for him um, as far as a 2C goes. But last year he played along Kasperi Kapanen and Patrick Marlowe, and and you definitely saw his numbers start to go down with not as good of players. So um, he he needs to be the driver. He doesn't he can't be relying on Jost and Burkowski to 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 be the playmakers. Although they do need to take steps forward, um, I think he just he needs to play his own game and and be able to drive the offense on his own. Right. I. I would say that's a fair assessment with Burakovsky. That's a conversation that we will get into in segment two. But first, I think it's fair to say that the abs need Kadri to be a game changer. So I'm excited to tell you about some game changing coffee as well. Strava craft is the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible. So check them out. This CBD infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. We'll be back in a minute with the Burkowski conversation. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast with Nathan and Luke today. We've talked about Nazem Kadri. We're pretty locked in that he is going to be the Avs second line center, and there's not really any other legitimate options there. The question we have is what's going to be around him? The biggest one for Luke, it sounds like, is Andre Burakovsky, acquired by the Avs from the Washington Capitals for a second and a third round pick. Given a one-year deal at three and a quarter million dollars, basically bang on for his qualifying offer. Luke, same kind of deal here. What were your initial impressions of this deal? Yeah, so this is someone who I'm. There's definitely a lot to be excited about. Uh, there's a lot of upside with Burkowski, but I'm a lot less confident in him as a second-line player for the Avs. 
Um, I, I see the upside in the size. He, he has a lot of talent in terms of his puck ability, and he's a strong skater. So I think that really fits in with what the Avs are trying to do. And I think that's probably why they were so uh, inclined to pick him up was they felt that he fits the chemistry of the team and he fits the idea of, you know, kind of what they want to do in upcoming seasons. But we still have never really seen him commit fully to an 82 game season. Um, he's had flashes of greatness. Everybody talks about the uh, two goals that he scored in the Eastern conference final against the lightning a couple of years ago. Uh, and he showed that, you know, in that game he could step up. And last year when trade rumors started to swirl around him, he uh, was able to up his play and, put away 16 points in 35 games. So, you know, we've seen him step up and even, even in uh, game seven against the hurricanes this year, the, the goal that he scored was, Oh my God, so beautiful. Um, <laughs> but he, he's definitely somebody who can step up. We just haven't been able to see that over an 82 game season. And part of that is um, he's had so many of those injuries, but you know, at 24, not being able to play even close to a full season for a few years is pretty, pretty scary pretty hard to uh justify putting him on your team long term so i'm glad that they put him on that one-year deal kind of a trial contract saying okay here here you go we're gonna give you more ice time and we're gonna see what you can do with it um but you know i'm i'm scared that he won't be able to step up so um last season he dropped down 11 minutes a game is not what you want out of burkowski because you, you want to see him in that uh, more impactful role, which is what I think the Avs were hoping to do by putting him on the second line. And they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. I think they're going to give him power play time. I think they're going to uh, to to play him as much as they can so that they can take some of the, the burden off of that top line. But, um, yeah, it, it's he's someone who has definitely had some up and down – seasons and and they're doing a lot of hoping to say that he's going to come back and score 40 points like they want him to right it with him it's kind of the yin and yang with Kadri. Kadri, you know you're going to be getting a very consistent offensive player with burkovsky you just don't know the consistency has not really been there for him particularly recently but over his entire career you add on the injuries to that I do think it's interesting. You seem to like the one-year deal. I don't hate it. I I wonder a little bit, though. You are willing to give up a lot of pieces for this player. So you're showing that the Avs think they have confidence in this guy, and then they turn around and say, well, now you have to prove it. How does that line up? Yeah, I mean, I think there's no getting around it that they overpaid, um, especially for for just like you said, someone who's playing a year. But the idea is if, if he's able to step up and show this season with a, with a bigger role that he's going to make a huge impact, um, they're going to be able to extend him no problem. And I think that it'll all be worth it. And at the end of the day, you can look back and see those second and third round picks and be like, ah, eh, who needs them? But I, whew, I, it's hard to see that happening. Um, hard to see him being able to come in in his first season with the Avs and, turn it on to be an 82 game consistent player on your second line. Um, and if he's not able to do that, then yeah, you definitely sent back some valuable picks. Um, but that that's also kind of consistent with the abs mentality right now, which is look, we're not, we're not going for the future. We're not going for second and third round picks. We want the guys who we know are going to make an impact right now. The, the only issue is, do you know that Andre Burakovsky is going right. to make an impact for you right now? You know? So uh, you know what you're getting in terms of you know where his upside is and where his play has been recently, but it's kind of that in the middle of 
you know, where's he going to fall? You know, so he'll finally be playing with Nazem Kadri, uh, who, like I said before, I think can drive that offense, but it's, it's up to him to step up. Last year he played along Brett Connolly and Lars Eller, and they both had, uh, or well, Connolly had a career year and Eller was two points shy of having a career year. And, uh, you know, Burkowski on the other hand was just as inconsistent as the season before. So, who knows if playing alongside better players is really going to make any any difference for him. Yeah, so let's get into that upside on him a little bit. Obviously, the Avs are going to ask him to score goals. I think that's the, the clear thing with him. One of his best offensive abilities is shooting the puck. You assume the goal is to get him set up to fire pucks in. Is 20 goals a reasonable expectation if he's getting that second line time? Uh, uh, is it reasonable to expect a second line winger of his caliber to get that many goals? Yes. But, uh, is it likely to happen? Uh, I, I just don't think so in, in 20. So I, I ran some numbers and this is going to be in the Burkowski piece that I should be uh, putting out in the next couple of days, but ran some numbers at, uh, on his expected goals. And if you use his expected goals from last season and run it at the minutes, uh, that he's projected to play, you know, in a, in a, relative range this season then it's he's looking at about 14 goals and if you use his best season 2015-16 when he had 38 points uh he still is only projected to score 16 and a half so you know he's gonna need to see some big improvements in his game not just his playing time so that's the thing is you know just putting him in into that second line role isn't going to guarantee him anything uh he also has to step up and show that he can play at that high level and i think for the Avs setting him up to score, the one thing that that might help is the surrounding pieces being, you know, a puck moving defense and uh, and a fast electric team. You know, he's used to playing with the older group in in Washington. Um, I think putting him alongside younger players and having guys like Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard slapping passes down to him from the uh, from the defensive zone is going to be really exciting, and it could give him a lot of offensive zone one on ones with the goalie or or uh, you know, open shots. So hopefully that'll all help him improve to that, um, that elite level or elite, but second line level of goals. Um, but we'll, I, we'll see if it gets to 20. That would be, that, that would be what we're hoping for him. But I don't, I don't know if I'd be willing to bet, you know, bet my house on that. Yeah, you talked about having Kadri on the second power play unit. I, I think that's an area where Burakovsky needs to make his money as Definitely. well. If you look at his career, his highest in a season is two power play goals because he just doesn't play on it that much, for, or he, at least he didn't for Washington. Obviously, the whole first unit for them is set up around Ovechkin just firing shots, and honestly, Ovi usually plays the full two minutes when he can. So it's not really a big opportunity for Burkowski to shoot a lot now maybe they can devise power play to around that a little bit for him. Right. And I, th- I think that's going to also depend on how that second line is, is playing because, you know, if you do indeed throw Confer onto your, your first power play unit, then your second power play unit is essentially your second line. You're going to be putting Kadri, Burakovsky and likely Jost um, as your, as your front three. I, I, that's, you know, assuming maybe Colin Wilson gets thrown in there somewhere. Um, but if, if that's if that's your front three, then you've you've also got to be hoping that those three have come together and show a lot of chemistry and an ability to to put pucks in the net. And and I'm, I'm not sure that that that's exactly what's going to happen. And, I, and we could see the, the second power power play ending up the same way as it did last year, where, um, you know, you, you're not 
confident in the three of them uh, being your play drivers. A concern I've heard a lot with Burakovsky is his engagement. He's six foot three, 200 pounds, clearly has the body to be a guy that can go to the dirty areas and do the dirty work and win you pucks. Haven't seen a ton of that with Washington. How can the abs get the most out of him there? Can they get a little bit beyond the goal scoring by having him do some work and, and setting up potentially Kadri or even some people have talked about giving him an opportunity on the top line and doing that for players like McKinnon and Rantanen? Yeah, so, I mean, we've seen that ability for him to take over the play and kind of use his physicality and his skill to to score goals. And and the best example of that is that Game 7 against the Hurricanes last year I mentioned. He checks a guy, t- steals the puck from another one, and then goes one-on-one with the goalie and snipes it top shelf. And, it, you know, if you could rely on that throughout the season uh, consistently, uh, oh, my God, then you have a steal on your second line. Yeah. But- <laughs> Right. I, I think the the issue for me is I don't know how you teach someone to, you know, be a consistent 82 game player and put in the effort every game in and game out. That's something that they kind of have to find in themselves. The good thing is he, like I said earlier, he jumped, jumped up in his play when he started hearing the tr- trade rumors swirl. Um, you know, I guess that, that maybe that wasn't the reasoning, but it kind of seemed like, you know, once his name got thrown out there, he started playing better. So maybe this one year trial run with the abs will be, an opportunity for him to step up his game. Um, and in terms of where you play him, uh, I, I like the idea of him going up with McKinnon uh, and Rantanen. I don't think you're going to see Rantanen dropping the second line as much this season, but him switching out for Landis Cog, I think that makes your first line exciting. It makes your second line exciting. But um, once again, it's relying on, you know, is, is he putting in the effort? Because it, you can't have your first line winger not putting in the effort because you're playing against players who are going to burn you if, if, you don't. So um, I think for the Avs, it's going to be kind of a, a training camp and the first few games of the season, test it and see see where his effort level is at and see if they can replicate it if it's good. For sure. With Burkowski on that line, are you relying on McKinnon then to be defensively effective or at least good enough to hold down that top line? If you're moving Landeskog off it, pretty clear vulnerability defensively there. Yes, you're relying on McKinnon to to improve his defensive game this year. I think that's definitely something that the Avs are hoping to see from him. But at the same time, um, you know, Burakovsky has shown the ability to be defensive at times, um, but he he needs to be able to step up to, to replace someone like Gabe Landeskog, who who's able to get back and be that physical presence. So I think Burakovsky has the build and the play style and the skating that can all put him in that um, defensive role on that top line. Um, But once again, it's all up to how much is he really going to put in? How much effort is he going to give to that top line? I do wonder about his defensive side a little bit. I, I, especially with, you don't want to make things too complicated for him. I don't think you're going to get him into the system and say, look, just go score some goals for us. So I I don't think they're going to ask a ton of him on that end. But if it's something he can add, great. He'll be making more money at the end of the year. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I think that they're just kind of hoping he puts pucks in the net. And from you know anything more than that is going to be a lot to ask. All right. So final thoughts on Burakovsky as well then. Him and Kadri are essentially the two major moves the Avs made. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's it's an exciting move. And I think the Avs are doing the right things in order to make a good 
forward group, you have to take those risks on players who have upside. Otherwise, you know, you're never going to get a guy who another team is high on because they don't want to give him away. So, um, you know, going for Burakovsky, someone who they see the upside in, I, I think is exciting, but um, he's also someone who could definitely fall. And he, he's out of the whole Avs team. He's my number one uh, candidate for someone who's going to falter next season. Um, but the upside is, you know, last season, your most common second line was uh, Nieto and Calvert and Soderberg. So you still have those guys on your team. You still have Colin Wilson. If you need to, you could drop Burkowski to a third line role where he was with Washington and throw those guys back up there. But um, we also saw how ineffective that second line was last year. So definitely hoping not to do that. But the good news is he, he made the abs better in the long run and he pushed guys like Calvert and, uh, and Nieto down to the fourth line. So it just shows the depth that they have. Yeah. Moving Burkowski down definitely wouldn't no. feel great, but it is an option that they do have if things don't pan out. And then the one year deal isn't hurting you nearly as much as well. So it's a it's a bit of a wait and see the avenue of where he takes his own game. And if it works out for the Evs, all of a sudden they might start to look like a contender. But that's going to do it for this second segment. We do have one more segment coming. We've kind of already talked about how Kadri and Burakovsky could fit into the top six. And we just kind of want to delve a little bit deeper into that situation and how things might shake out. First, though, we got to pay a couple of bills. 30% off. That's right. 30. 30. Dirty 30. 30% off. Total Beverage is giving the BSN fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. Use code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area, from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. That's right, from drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your own home and get it delivered. Cheers. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast. We've talked about Burakovsky. We've talked about Kadri. We've talked a little bit about the top line. You've mentioned with Burakovsky, breaking it up could be an option. However, you don't want to split them up on the power play. How do you see that shaking out long-term for the abs this season? Yeah, so I, I think that it's going to be hard for them to split up that top line pretty consistently um, because they're just so so freaking good together. Um, I mean, they all three had career years last year. The biggest question is, can they replicate that? You know what I mean? So um, yeah. if, if Gabe Landiscog is having a down year and he's not able to get to that level that, that he was last year, I, I'm hopeful that he can be, but... Um, if not, then yeah, I think you're going to see that mix up happen a little bit more. But in terms of uh, Miko Rantanen, I, like I said before, I don't think you're going to see him slot down into that second line very much because without Kerfoot, um, you don't really have a, a, a player who's his style of, of playmaker kind of on that wing. Um, so I, I think that he'll, him and McKinnon will pretty much stay together throughout the year on that top line. And the, the only difference is maybe you'll see Burakovsky jump up in there, as we talked about before. Maybe you'll see Landis Cog drop down with Kadri. But um, I think in general, that top line is going to remain pretty much the same. See, I love McKinnon and Rantanen together. It's, it's not something that I want to break up. But 
I do wonder about putting Burakovsky and Rantanen on the same line because you're looking at both of those guys and you're saying, these are players we want to shoot more. We want to get them more opportunities. And I just don't know that there's enough there, especially if you're putting them both on a line with McKinnon, who shoots a ton already. Where do you find the opportunity for those guys then? So that's where I could see Rantanen perhaps moving down to the second line. And if you put Rantanen on your second line and it can work, then your top six starts to look a little silly. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But I just, I wonder where they can, <laughs> it's a good problem to have that you don't have enough opportunity for everyone. But I, I do wonder if, if they kind of try to lean on Ranted and to shoot a little more this year. Yeah, I, I, you know, the thing is with McKinnon already being the shooter that he is, he led the league in shots last year. You know, yeah. I, I don't know how much you need to expect even more um that's that's where that power play comes in and i think that's why you put him and him and ranton together because they're just gonna put shots to the net all day long but but yeah i i I don't know i don't know how much they're gonna ask him to to be the shooter there because his i think the part of ranton's game that i'm the most impressed with is his passing obviously he's he's got that fantastic shot as well but just being able to find people in space and those no look passes and stuff like that so um, I, I think keeping him and McKinnon together, if you can, would be or well, I guess if you need to, because you're right, if, if Burakovsky works in that role, then great. But um, if, if you can't or if you need to keep them together, then, um, you know, I, I think the two of them are going to just play continue to play well off each other. I think McKinnon could have an even better year last year. Uh, like I said, with leading league in shots, it's like, you know, if he, if he can just put a, a couple more pucks in the net, he's going to be even more gross. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know if McKinnon has ever really been a high percentage shooter. He definitely strives off of the volume, but yeah, I mean, if he puts a couple more in, you're starting to push 50 and that gets, you're in the, the best of the best goal scorers in the league at that point with Rantanen and Landeskog, they're in your top six. They're never going to fall out of it. It's just a fact. They might be on the second line. They might be on the first line. It is what it is. The big question mark, the player you've alluded to a couple times on this podcast already, Tyson Jost, much like Burakovsky, someone the Avs are asking to take a big step here, and, and he could affect how this top six looks in a lot of ways. I, what does he need to show in the immediate to, to stick in, on that second line? He just needs to show the ability to use his skill uh, more and be able to keep the puck on his stick and drive offense on his own because last year it was a lot of, um, you know, crashing the net and receiving passes from other players to, to put pucks in the net, but he needs to show that ability to drive offense and open up play for, for other players like Kadri Burakovsky. And, and, you know, if you, if you want to throw him onto a different line, other players to get, to get open. Um, and so he needs to be able to draw the defense's attention by, by handling the puck more. And I think, I think that's where the abs are hoping to see his, his confidence increase and his uh, ability to, to use that skill that we, that we've seen in the past um, more consistently. And I think that's something that he can definitely provide. He, he definitely showed the work ethic last year. He clearly wants to be a top six player and clearly thinks that he was drafted in the correct spot. And I think that was Jared Bednar's message by putting him down to the Eagles was listen, if you want this, you got to show us that you can have the skill to do it. And obviously once he uh, carved up the Eagles the way he did, 
it, it started to show a little bit more, but they, they just seem to see a lot more of that ability uh, that I think you and AJ have alluded to a lot in terms of being able to see him in practice and whatnot. Uh, that ability to take the puck on his stick, use skill and his shooting to, to score and to drive play himself. Yeah, it's, it definitely got significantly better at the end of the season after that uh, time with the Eagles, as you said. I think an offseason will help him a lot, too. One of his big weaknesses was puck strength. He just very often would get knocked off it too easily. And if he comes back from this offseason, 5, 10 pounds more muscle on him, what is that what could push him yeah. over the edge? You're right. certainly hoping so. Yeah, I think I think his physical game his physical game could take uh take some serious steps forward, but at, at the same time, it's just kind of that that confidence to to be able to move the puck himself. So hopefully he'll he'll find both. But I know that he's jumping into different training regiments, um, more associated with movement, and so hopefully that'll kind of help him with those those quick cuts and that ability to uh, to to stay up and stay balanced, like you said, when when he's getting bumped off the puck. Yeah, it, he just has to, whether it's being more elusive or right. being stronger, either way, it, it, he has to find ways to hang on to the puck. This is plan A. You have McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen as your line one, Jost, Kadri, Burakovsky as your line two. If everything goes perfect and that works, great. Put it in the books, you're done. But the reality is players get hurt. Things usually don't work out quite the way that the Avs are hoping. They do have other options. You've mentioned JT Confer potentially on the second power play unit. You have to think they like him as a 3C a little bit more if Jost is on the second line. But then they also have the newly acquired Jonas Donskoy, a winger who's pretty consistent in his production, close to 40 points. They signed him for four years at nearly $4 million. That is a pretty steep contract for a strictly third line type guy. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him up on the second line, but obviously that's going to mean that Jost is not producing the way the the Avs need him to. But uh, the nice thing about bringing in Donskoy is that he provides the Avs with flexibility um, and diversity in terms of in terms of his game. So, you know, in that second line right wing spot, you could put Jost, Comfer, Donskoy on any given night, throw one of those guys in there and uh, see what they can do. So, yeah, I, I think they're definitely that was an interesting part of the uh, the trade or the offseason for the Avs was picking up Donskoy because he's a guy that while you got him for a, a decent rate, um, if you're putting him on your third line, it's kind of like, oof. You're paying him that much to, to be a third line right winger. But I think what it really provides the abs is security. So they decided, okay, we're going to put Jost on that second line. And by, by voicing that he's going to be Kadri's right wing, hopefully that'll get him going and uh, light a fire underneath him to, to play at that level. But at the same time, we've got Donskoy right behind him. And I think that the sleeper in that sense is JT Comfer. I think that, uh, after last year, he he was looking really really good by the end of the season. I'm really excited for what he can do this year, and I I wouldn't be surprised if this turns into a, a breakout season for him in terms of points. So, it, you know, if he's playing really well and Jose is not playing up to his potential, then I think you could easily see JT Comfer slipping up in that second line as well. Yeah, it, I'm certain that we'll see the rotating cast there. It, you have your option A and Jost. Donskoy, like you said, is is an extremely flexible piece. He's someone that can kind of fill in wherever you need him, whether it be injuries or just quality of play that you're expecting. Comfer, 
I'm kind of a curious one about him. You say you're expecting a breakout out of him. I really struggled to see him as a true second liner. Uh, middle six, maybe sure, but but what is it that you're really? Uh, sold it's on it's with him? just his drive. Um, he you know in the playoffs he was able to elevate his game and and start to uh, use his size, his physicality to kind of bump people off and and uh, drive play from for his own. So I I think three C is a great spot for him because being able to drive offense, hopefully that'll um, drive that third line, and I think he's going to be the you know, you, you go from your first line who's going to kill you with speed. You go from your second line who's going to kill you with size. And then you jump into your third that's just going to uh, pound you into submission with with JT. Um, I, so I'm excited about that. But um, I think his ability to to drive play from that center perspective um, using his body and, and I, we saw some of that skill. Um, I think that's something that's really exciting. Yeah, it's back when he first joined the team and, and was playing in the AHL, he also played off of his teammates extremely well. That's something that hasn't fully translated to the NHL yet. And, and it may never, but if he can find a little bit more of that as well, then I'd be more interested in the conversation of him on the second line with regularity. Yeah. I think, I think when the abs threw that roommate line together, you know, him and Jostin and Kerfoot, that's kind of what they were hoping for is, um, you know, getting that chemistry going with him and having him be able to play off them really well. And so once again, if you see Donskoy go up to the second, I wouldn't be surprised to see him and Joe start to develop something on that third line. But um, yeah, I, I guess we'll see. Yeah, certainly. It's if you have to go deeper than that in your top six, that's where things might start getting a little bit dicey. We've seen Colin Wilson do it before. He's the type of player that's kind of hot and cold. If he's hot, he'll look great up there. If he's cold, it's not a good thing. Are the abs in trouble if they if none of that is working great for them? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that's why the forward group hinges on the success of Burakovsky. Because you know if he's not playing it at the level they need him to as a second-line winger, Throwing Colin Wilson up there, throwing Matt Calvert, whoever up there is is not exactly what you want to see. Um, and I don't think those guys are meant to be top six players. So, yeah, I think that's the area where they have the most uh, question marks. And because with Joe, like we were just talking about, you kind of have the ability to swap him out if you need to. Um, but it's it's yeah, Colin Wilson on your second line. Mm, I'm not I, I don't love that. And certainly Matt Calvert. I, I love Matt Calvert as a player, but he's definitely not a top six forward. So throwing those guys up there. Uh, yeah. I think the abs would be in some serious trouble. And, and that's the issue is if you're relying on Burakovsky, you're relying on a player who hasn't shown a lot of consistency to be that second line guy. Yeah, for sure. It's a bunch of question marks is a good way to put it. You something needs to hit for the abs. I don't know how much it matters which part hits, whether it's Jost, whether it's Burakovsky, whether it's it's Donskoy stepping up his game. They just can't miss on all of their options. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of hope that goes into to all of that. You know, pretty much the whole second line, you're asking them to step up from their play last season, which is a big, big ask for your second line. And uh, I mean, I think they're expecting that from your third as well in some aspects, but at the same time, the abs are clearly a, a youth team, a team with young players who are consistently trying to get better. And I, I love that model. So I think 
in terms of how that plays out, you're constantly asking that of your players. So assuming that Jost and Confer have better seasons isn't isn't crazy to think. Um, Burakovsky is the one where, you know, he's he's a little bit older and he kind of hasn't shown that consistency. And and uh, so I, I'm a little more nervous with him. But no, I, I definitely think that in terms of Avs players progressing, um, it's not unrealistic to expect Confer to expect Jost to have big years next season. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good beat to end this one on. Uh, final thoughts on, on the Avs top six or any shout outs you want to make? The the only shout out I want to make is to that uh, that fourth line. I, I'm, I'm very excited just to see them kind of be the the last punishing group. Um, I, I think that the Avs probably took a page out of the St. Louis and the Boston book and and put together a really deep forward core. So in terms of this forward group, yeah, there's a lot of uh, hope and pray that's going on on that second line in that top six, but um, I, I'm really excited just to see the depth work and see how Bednar kind of molds this group together. But yeah, that's that's about it for me. All right, awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, Luke. I expect you'll probably be on a couple more times this week. So can get a couple more of your thoughts and we'll go through the rest of the week. We'll talk about the Avs free agent pickups as well. We mentioned Don Skoy a little bit on this one, and then we'll get into some fun stuff at the end of the week. Uh, we have a show planned for Thursday that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy, but you'll have to wait for that one for this one. Thank you for listening. And we will be back tomorrow. Hyperelectric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com.